and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lulu. And this week we've got a couple of episodes we're going to talk about in a weird way. We'll yes. see how it goes. It's very odd. Before we get to episodes seven and eight of Castle Rock season one, how was your week? I'm asking, even though we haven't really had the week, my week is hopefully going to be great because... Right. Of the inauguration, which we have not experienced yet, but go ahead. <laughs> that I'm was your week. having high hopes for the inauguration. I am hoping that that there's no more violence and nonsense, mm-hmm. and that perhaps people have been discouraged from nonsense. Um, we are recording on the seventeenth. The seventeenth, and uh, things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yesterday was not as violent and nonsensical as I had feared because uh-huh. there were calls for violence uh, around the country and it sounds like we were close enough to the siege on the Capitol that people were like oh hey people are getting arrested for that yeah. stuff maybe we don't uh, but there have also been some arrests with uh, significant amounts of weapons and mm. ammunition we're hopeful that everyone stays safe yes all of you listeners stay safe and uh, join riots. that we have a legitimately peaceful transfer of power on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Joe Biden does the things that he said he would do. That's another thing, yes. So much to be concerned Fingers about. crossed. Uh, you want to get into these? Your week? My week was, you know, my fingers are crossed. Okay. Also, I got a new computer. Oh, great. I'm going to be getting one soon. I... Uh, I as of the 17th, I have ordered it. It's supposed to be delivered tomorrow. We're recording on my old computer, which I'm afraid is going to lose lose all of its battery. Uh-huh. It's funny because as soon as I ordered the new one, uh-huh. this one decided I don't need to hold battery charge for more than an hour. Just how sheer vindictiveness. <laughs> it's just like, I see you ordering other computers off of me, so you then. <laughs> it's right. like, okay, well... Can you just hold together for just another three or four days? Thanks. Uh, so right now, yeah, I'm at 45% battery Ooh, power. Okay. We're doing I'm, nor- good. I'm nervous because lately when it hits 10, it just turns off. And, uh, and we lose our program. Yeah. We don't want to do that. So uh, I will keep an eye on that. Uh, and Ooh. then tomorrow when I get my new computer, we're going to start switching everything over, hopefully. Yep, 44%. So here we go. Here we go. Speaking of things disjointed and losing their memory. Yes. So the first episode we're going to talk about is the Queen. queen. And we can't... It's going to be impossible to provide a synopsis in any... Coherent coherent (laughs) manner. The the story is told from the point of view, and very well from the point of view. Well done. Of a character who is suffering from dementia. Yes. Who has become unstuck in time, mm-hmm. she says. Uh, and we had, we had heard part... We've seen many of the scenes in this episode previously, right. but from other people's point of views. Yes. And we see her entering and exiting the different scenes at different times in a different order with different knowledge. Uh, and I wonder, like, okay, so I wrote three pages of notes. And like I said, I could just read that, and it would be like a tone poem, and you could have experienced, and then we could talk about, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do that? Like, how do you, 
I feel like I wrote these notes and I want to use these notes. Okay, let's use the notes. All right. So these are the notes that I wrote. So this is chronologically what we see in the episode. Ruth getting her gun. Figurines. Opening gift. Chess set with dog. Chess is good for the demented brain. We'd seen that scene before. Mm -hmm. $30 Japanese steaks. The dog is hit by a car. She's not a son of a bitch. She's a bitch. There's a suitcase in the foyer for Puck. The dog wasn't Puck. It was a neighborhood stray, which she knows. Puck. Matthew told her Puck ran off, but she found poison in the trash. What did Matthew do? Bur- so, so burying one pays a debt on the other. That's what Alan asks. So burying this dog pays a debt mm-hmm. on the other dog. Dead animal through the door. The dog's gone, and Henry and Alan are talking. The sheets. Gun in the closet. Cognitive tests. Confusion of time and space. Seeing herself and Henry and herself with Alan. Henry returns with Wendell. In a pew, listening to Matthew speak, she finds a chess piece and comes back to the kitchen. She sees out the window, the kid, and she could have sworn and they buried him in that suit. There are leaves everywhere, and she's following a whistling Matthew with Henry on a picnic. Matthew pulls the gun out of the basket. What does God say about taking your life? That it's stealing, because God, your life belongs to God. He went to the woods, he gave God an ultimatum, and he heard the sound. Saul to Paul, and then there's a chess piece in the icebox, and she's a time walker. Wendell shows her an AR game where no one stays dead and your allies may not be your allies. When the kid walks in, she sees Matthew. We hear on the radio that there's a suspected arson at Juniper Hill. There's a photo of the kid on the news. We see Henry and Ruth playing word games while she's in the bath. uh, And Henry's a child uh, until Matthew comes and breaks it up. He says, you can't rely on the sheriff. He says, I put the gun in the top drawer and the bullets are locked away. Um, We hear Wendell say, if you kill your nemesis, you can fix the whole timeline. And we see Ruth looking for bullets. The doorbell's ringing and Molly is looking for Henry. He's lost or he's in trouble. And she says, uh, not a good time. Also... I saw you in my bedroom. It's totally cool that you killed my husband, but it didn't take, and he's totally back. Uh, and But he's here in the present and not in the past. Uh, we hear Blue Moon on the record player, and she slow dances with the kid. Uh, he tells her the combination to the locks that she's looking for is her birthday. Wendell doesn't want to leave her alone with the kid, but she sends him off to Chester's mill to buy himself whatever he wants, seemingly. Uh, She feigns ignorance about where he's gone, and the kid bids her to lie down. We see young Ruth in the mirror. Henry's faking sick to hide from Matthew. If he was sick, he could pray it away. He was teaching him, and she tells young Henry to tell Matthew what he wants to hear. She goes... It's, the young Ruth goes to Al, a young Alan as the sheriff. Uh, he doesn't think 
that she's there to report a missing pet, which is what her cover story is. And he basically tells her, you want to pack your bags and take your son? We will move away right now. And we see Ruth out looking for, looking and seeing turkey vultures, but she's too afraid to go look and see what they're circling around. She finds pills in the trash. No, the kid finds her pills in the trash and says they're a sedative. And I'm like, how does he know what a sedative is? Uh, She says, I used to have a ritual. She tells the kid, I used to have a ritual. What is it? And he says, you take a bath every night. And she says, yes. And he offers to draw her a bath. And then we see that she's palmed the pill that he gave her, just like Alan taught her when they were in bed together. And then she's looking off for the safe with now she's armed with combination. And the record player stalls on love of my own, love of my own, love of my own over and over again from Blue Moon. The kid says, I'm smaller than a teacup, which is what Henry had said when they were in the bathroom uh, earlier playing word games. And she stabs him. (laughs) She still thinks he's Matthew. She stabs the kid. She still thinks he... She's still confusing the kid with Matthew. All right. Uh, And she runs into a packed crowd, and it looks like they're at the wedding or a wedding, and then she begs herself to pack up and leave. But Henry and Matthew are coming home. Henry's got a fever. But he really heard it. He heard the sound that Matthew wanted him to sound. And she snaps and says, he's just telling you what he wants you to hear. And Matthew accuses both of them of false witness. And then she threatens to leave. And Matthew grabs her and says, you can't leave because you didn't leave. You can't change what you didn't do. You're right. Okay. She said, he says, you never did anything for our son because you were too scared. And then she realized, I packed the bullets and I never unpacked them. So she goes to find the suitcase that she had packed all of their clothes in before she chickened out. And we zoom back and she's in the same closet that she was at at the, in the, at the beginning. But now she's got a loaded gun. And when the person who's been following her comes in, she opens fire. And, of course, she opens fire into Alan. Alan, from the beginning of the, from the end of the previous episode, where he ran to find Ruth and see where she was. And also where the kid had been stabbed. And where the kid had been stabbed. Yeah. His hands were covered in blood. And Ruth is in the shed where Alan is killed. She runs to the house and she cleans herself off. And then she opens the door. She's, she's like fixing herself up. And the doorbell rings and she opens the door and it's Alan there. And he's trying to remind her who he is. And says that someone called because they heard gunshots. And she hugs him and tells him not to leave. And we zoom back out, and the chess piece is sitting on the table, so it's present. Okay. So none of that made I, any I feel... sense. <laughs> yeah, right. So none of that made any sense. So what this episode is is 
pulling together in a circle. Uh-huh. And really more of a spiral, I would say, because we come to the same point a couple of times. Everything that's happened from the time that Alan came back into Ruth's life right. to the present of the story. But it's told, and then, well, Willie and, and their childhood, uh, Henry's childhood before the death of his father. Yeah sort of him, the, the things leading up to his father's death, and then around a full circle again, through the mind of a person who is experiencing these things out of order because of, she says Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is one of those things where, like that football injury, CTE, they cannot mm. diagnose until you're dead. Right. Um, so they won't diagnose, well, they can but they won't diagnose her with Alzheimer's, but the words don't matter. She's not, she's getting lost in time and space. Fundamentally, that's what's going on, right? So we see her and we, we, we see when, when Henry comes back the first time. So we see the scene leading up to her, him finding her outside. We see the scene leading up to her coming down, um, when Alan and Henry are having a conversation about how, whether or not Alan is taking advantage of his mother, uh, we see her side of the conversation from the previous episode where uh, Henry's making them, her and Wendell lunch and she's pocketing the chess pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the beginning, uh, her side of the story that Alan told about when he came back into town and really came to stay with Ruth at that point and kind of get where the gunshots came from, although it doesn't logically follow that the gunshots that he was called there about were the gunshots that happened several years later when she kills him. So there's still a lot of... um, a lot of... Loose ends. Loose ends, yeah. Uh, this story kind of closes some of them. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, for instance, we're informed about, we're given an idea about uh, the relationship between uh, Henry and his father. Henry and his father. And mm-hmm. Ruth and right. her husband. Um, so, yeah, we see that Matthew had struggled with some depression, had purchased a firearm, had gone into the woods and uh, attempted to kill himself by putting the gun in his ear, which, never mind, I don't want to give tips on suicide, but it's not a good move. It's yeah, not, we, we don't need to let people It's not that. good. Um, You're doing it wrong. When he, yes, exactly. When he did it, uh, the he says at that time is when he first heard the schisma, mm-hmm. or the that voice of God, that sound God, in the wood. As we say in the evangelical church, God. 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 Two syllables, um, which then he is trying to get Henry to hear. Mm-hmm. And Henry is going out into the woods. He doesn't, he's not hearing it. And it's making him sick because yeah. Matthew is taking him out into the woods in the middle of the night. It's winter. It's cold. Like, and, and Henry, A, doesn't know what is expected of him, doesn't understand really what he needs to be doing here. And B, is actually literally getting sick. But it's also sort of faking sick so he doesn't have to keep right. doing it. There is a scene where 
Yes. Um, Ruth is in the bath, and we we see an old Sisu space stick, but we mm-hmm. understand that it is the younger version of it right. because it is young Hen- Henry, who's 11 or so, right. sitting there in the same bathroom um, while she's in the bath, and they're playing word games. There's nothing untoward going on, but Matthew is like, you go to bed, and he's like, he's well, a little old for that. That scene was... Um... It it sort of talks about the innocence of that relationship. Yes, it does. It, and there's and not, how Matthew sees right. perversity in it. Yeah, sees something filthy in everything. He's and, one of those kind of people. And also, he's not blood because mm-hmm. her response is, "I'm his mother." Right. Right. And she's not being indiscreet. She has the curtain up between. Them. She has the curtain between right. them. Um, also, it's pretty clear that. That Henry is comfortable. Right. Like, here's the thing about a teen boy. Right. At some point, that's going to make him uncomfortable. Right. And he, we haven't reached that we haven't point. reached that yet. Right. And he'll make it known. But he's totally comfortable in the situation. Isn't leering. There's right. nothing sexual or untoward going on in that relationship. And and it's clear that Ruth sees Henry as her son. Nothing. Yeah. Not her adopted son. Not her black son. Not her son from another mother. Right. Her son. And Matthew doesn't Does see it that see way. Henry is his child, um, or as her child, right. maybe as his child, but not as her child, because okay, he it's... explicitly says, you know, it's not blood; it's different. And she doesn't see it that way. Uh, and I don't think at that point, I think Henry and Ruth don't like their father, or you know, their their child and mother. Period. Uh-huh. There's no, you know, and they're, like I said, they're playing word games. It's not. There's like there's yeah, it's, nothing it's, to me that scene actually played out really just his innocence and mm-hmm. their relationship, the closeness of their relationship, and then the father, you know, dad's ruining wants things. to put put a the patina on, the on it right. that that he sees represents what he thinks of people, right? Um, and you see maybe there's some jealousy there. Mm-hmm. Some Oedipal nonsense, but the other way, the other way around. Um, And the another piece of this, which I'm gonna say, I'm I'm trying really hard not to spoil a specific thing. Um, But the kid knows what her ritual was. Right. Why? Why does he know that? And at the end of the next episode, he knows a lot about Molly. Right, which we should probably get to that, too, because the next episode is... So in this episode, we all, we, we is, mostly see Ruth. We right. see one scene of Molly where she's like, fucking, where's Henry? He's in trouble. And yeah. Henry, at this point, in, during this entire episode, is locked up. Inside of a... Inside of the RV, uh, inside right. of the filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing his mind. <laughs> but we don't see any of that this, this episode. This uh-huh. episode is really takes place in the time in probably a four hour time period mm-hmm. from when the kid it really spans the time period from when the kid arrives at the house actually it's probably about 25 minutes mm-hmm. the kid arrives at the house after whatever happened in juniper hill and we get glimpses of it we get some on the news there's a fire 
We get some more in the next episode. It turns out a bunch of the inmates lit their mattresses on fire all at the same time. There are like 14 deaths and five people missing, and he is a suspect on the news. We see him on the news. But he arrives at the end of the previous episode, right, when Ruth is gathering her medication. And he takes off his, he hangs his jacket and he takes off his shoes. So we see, and it's it, it, it might be a couple of hours. We see the entire time that he's in the house. And then at the end of the previous episode, we see Alan returning to the house. We don't know how long he's been there, but he's outside now. Mm. Um, and in that, in that span of time, Ruth has sent Wendell away to, to basically save him from the kid. She does see Matthew and the kid. She believes that this is a physical manifestation of her dead husband. Yeah. That the death that Molly caused, and she knew apparently, whether in her subconscious or in her conscious mind, that Molly is the, is the one that killed Matthew. She says, I saw you in my house. And... And Molly is like, oh, shit. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 it's fine. But it didn't take. Yeah. He's back. Thank and you the, for the effort. And the only way that she can protect her family mm -hmm. is by killing him again. So right. that is what she is focused on this this And instead she killed episode. Out. Yes, is finding the, the bullets to the gun that Matthew was going to use on himself, but didn't right. to use on Matthew. And instead of the kid coming upon her once she had, you know, reassembled this weapon and it was a, a fatal uh, weapon again, instead of the kid coming to find her, Alan rushes in to make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. And we don't hear whether he's calling for her. Or whether she just hears movements. Right. Um, and she, of course, fires on him and kills him. Uh, and doesn't know it. We find out the next episode that she doesn't know that's who she killed. Right. So. So then we go into Past Perfect, which is the next episode. Yes. So She's then directed we go by Anna Lily Amapur. Who's that? The director of A Girl Walks Home Alone. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, I've completely forgotten the, the, that she had uh, done this or she directed some episodes. And I actually really like this one because there's a lot going on. There's it's, a lot going on. The, the Queen, there was a lot going on, but it was a lot of stuff that we'd already seen that was yeah. now changing in yeah. direction. It was, And it was sort of, fi it was filling out Ruth's. Mm -hmm. It was making Self. sense. There's a missing part, obviously, that only the only um oh god her name, this is Bessie's character. Ruth. Only Ruth knows. Right? Uh and so we're getting what's inside of her head. Yeah. And Wendell like shows her that air, she's like because she tells him in the pre we'd seen him pre her previously say you know, time is like a people mover in an airport, but I've gotten off. And he's like, oh, you're like a time walker in this right. game that I play where there are zombies and nobody that, unless you're a time walker, if you're a time walker, you can, when you kill something, it stays dead. Stays dead right. But if you're not a time walker, it can come back and it can come back wearing the face of something else. It's, so it looks like your friend, but it's right. not your friend. And I think that was a very clever move because it sets up her logic going forward. Right. And why she does what she does. Right. 
Um, yes, so she sees the face of the kid. Mm-hmm. She sees her husband in the face of the kid. Right. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to no. say more on that. Um, so, uh, and, you know, probably in the form that she shoots, she sees her husband, even though it's yeah. Alan. Uh, it is also interesting in that where when she, when young when we see Sissy Spacek, but it's young Ruth goes to Alan. He's like, you know, I'm missing. He, she's compla- She's she's lodging a missing pet, yeah. you know, thing, and he's like, that's not really my thing. But you know, as the, so as the sheriff, I can't really help you. But as a friend, yeah, open an atlas, point to it, pack your bags, and we'll go. Like, no bones about the fact that I will take you out of here. And she says, I can't leave my son. And he's like, I'm not asking you to. Put, pack a bag for Henry, too. We'll bounce. It's fine. Um, and at this point, it turns out that Alan is a widower here. He didn't go away and get married. He was a widower pr- pr- prior to, which is a mistake that I had made or, or a misunderstanding that I had made. So then, yeah, we go to Past Perfect. And we see a couple or a, a, a man we've seen before. Um, he yeah, has, these, are the, these are the characters who had uh, were interested in buying a house from Molly. Yes, which I didn't realize until uh, well into it that it was Lacey's house that they they purchased, mm-hmm. or that, that, that the the the, the, the uh, cremains in the freezer uh-huh. were, that Molly had hidden so badly. That was Lacey. Yeah. Um. So they they uh, went ahead and purchased this house, but the opening scene in this, the cold open is. Four dudes in an office, like um, it looks like a professor's office, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of books on the wall, a lot of leather, dark, dark right. woods, a lot of um. Well, it's, it's if this was a comic book, right? The legend would be somewhere in academia, because that's the impression right. that you get. Yeah, this happens. Somebody's talking about tenure. There's a person who's trying yeah, to he's talking about there. tenure. It sounds right. like uh, it sounds like. Either like a PhD push or right. like a job interview. It's just a lot of blowhards blow blowing hard. Yeah. And uh, and one of them is it's it's a it's a panel of three gentlemen. The one in the middle is the one we've seen before, mm-hmm. and he stands up at the end and is like, you know, the one thing I just can't forget is that you fucked my wife. And then he beats the shit out of the dude that's <laughs> that was ostensibly as he should. Um, should. Fu- well, I don't. I disagree with you, but that's fine. Um, well, because there was also a lot of uh, youth replacing their established opinions that he... It was really funny because it's like the character Gordon, his first move is to denigrate this other person's kind of... Uh, not opinion, his the his papers. Yes. Right? Yeah. And yeah. then he proceeds to afterwards just beat the daylight out right. with a clipboard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's wild. I'm just like, funny. holy shit, yeah. Um, and that, uh, and then we get these scenes back from when they were looking at the house of they wanted to keep the art. Will they sell it with the art? Because they were sort of pulled in by this uh, landscape painting that was on the wall. Mm-hmm. And they did, in fact, keep the art. And the, the, these paintings were painted by Dale Lacey. Um, most of them are in the basement, and they couldn't find a key to the basement. So that's coming back later. 
and what they've decided that they're going to do is open a bed and breakfast. So we see them sort of refurbishing the building, so repainting. He's painting mannequins. We don't Uh see why yet, (laughs) Um, but he's doing some mannequin work. They hang a a B&B sign out front. Then she finds a key to the basement, and they Mm. open it up, and inside the basement are hundreds of paintings of the kid. In in relatively similar styles. Yes. It's one yeah. one person has painted them all. It's over a series of time. We'll get to that. Uh, and then they get... Uh, then we see him painting mannequins in the bathroom. And her his wife, Gordon's wife... Lilith. Lilith. Yeah. <laughs> Lilith. Like you should have known. Of course it is. Um, comes in and is, try, is like, well, you want to fool around or whatever. And she's like, can't we just forget it happened? And he's like, I'm trying. And I'm like, I don't think you are, but that's fine. Uh, and then they get a call that they've got their first booking. booking. And so then we cut to the booking where it's two uncomfortable people on a couch... These are our couple, Gordon and Lilith, and the mannequin with an axe in his head. And we find that they are doing a fully immersive true crime bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, they want to open, like, they want to have more than one property in Castle Rock, which will have sort of true to, true to life recreations of the heinous acts that have happened throughout Castle Rock. And I was like, wasn't that Jackie's idea? Didn't she want to do that? And uh, we get to, we'll get to that. Right. So uh, then they ask this couple who's come to stay at the B&B how long they've been married. And she says 13 years and he says two, two for me. Right. And it's like, oh, they're not here too. They're not married to each other. They're here. And, and you know, they're like, well, we can take you on this tour tomorrow. And they go, the the, the two are like, we're just, Looking for an out of the way place. Yeah, the, the, we're just their trying whole to fuck. Point like is trying not to draw attention to themselves. Yeah, and here he is, which is right. And then we cut to uh, Gordon and Lilith in bed, hearing the very rowdy sex that this Uh couple is having. Now, at this point, I was wondering, and and the reason I was looking this up Mm -hmm. is it. Um, Lauren Bowles is Lilith, and who I remembered from was she uh, True American? Blood. Oh, True Blood. Okay, that's right. And yeah. she just is really good at playing these kinds She's of. She's got a very distinctive face. face. It looks like it was born kind of snarling or snarking at you or something. Yeah. <laughs> she is really very good. She, at, yeah, she has kind of very part. interesting looking. And person. Gordon is played by. Uh, uh, a guy who I just kept thinking looked like Eugene Levy. He does. He <laughs> does look like a Lu- Eugene Levy type. Mark Herlick is the actor's name, and these two. I don't know how much time they spent together to nail this, but they really get this kind of. She's kind of frightened of him because she's done something horribly wrong, and she's trying to get over it. And he's just thrown himself into. This bizarre pastime. Yeah, and she does say he's always been into the macabre or whatever. Right. And so then, yeah, Gordy is, Gordon is sitting on his bed listening. Another mm-hmm. Gordon. Gordy right. was the name of the, the kid in the, at the birthday party yeah. from before. And uh, 
Then I say, that pushes Gordon to murder! Exclamation points. Violent, stabby murder. So Lilith wakes up realizing that it got quiet all of a sudden. Oh, no. She hears the woman, like, shriek in a way Mm. that doesn't sound like sex. Right. And she goes and she opens the door to the bedroom of this couple, which is ballsy. She does not knock. Well, she knows her husband's not right next to her. He was sitting in the bed next to her. No, but he could be in the kitchen. Right, but I I think that she (laughs) She guessed what was going on. The the fact that these two people were having adulterous sex upstairs was a trigger. And I think that there seems to be a layering of noise so that you get the impression that he's imagining his wife being Yeah, this maybe. It's unclear. Yeah, but it's um, really loud. She walks in, and he has really stabbed the hell out of both of them. They are very dead. <laughs> and then we go to credits. Credits! And then we go back, and we see Henry in a box. Mm-hmm. Henry's still freaking out, still a little 2001 Space Odyssey. Then Molly is like, are you there? Are you there? And then she opens the door, and she's like, it's me, it's me. Molly and she you. pulls him out. And he says, where are the other two? Where are the two men? And she says, I don't know. And then we zoom back and we see Odin with a, a, some sort of pokey, pokey in his eye. the instrument I think that he was going to use to... Unclear. To deafen yeah, the young man. Yes, I thought that was just a stick and this looked like an ice pick. So I don't, it, it looked like been, it had a handle. Yeah, it, so we don't know if Molly did that or if yeah. Willie was like, disaster. maybe I don't want to get stabbed in the ears, right. and maybe he did it. We don't we know, know what happened. Molly is not above killing people. We we do so know that. Well, she was a child, and it was not her hand. I, we're not going to get into it again because I still love that. I just I just want you to say that again. She was not a child. She was a child. She was a child, and that was not her hand. And that was That's not her legal hand. defense. Now. That's her legal defense. Yeah. The president invited me. I had to do it. And he says, I know it couldn't have been more than a couple of hours, but it felt like I was in there for years. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I I understand. You know, people have called me crazy my whole life. And he says, you know, he grabs her hand and says, I'm really sorry. You're not crazy. And I'm like, do you not recall that literally yesterday she said you killed your father right. through her because... I still feel like you have At to deal this with point, that. He is dealing with enough metaphysical strangeness that I think he's willing to accept. A yes, she does. Be, she does seem to have the ability to read my mind, as she yeah. demonstrated yes. yesterday. Yes, and found her. Right, and found him. So then, uh, Molly drives Henry home, and it's the next morning. And I'm like, oh, you thought you were in a shit show before. You're going to be in a bigger shit it show was a now. Rough night following into a rough day, and it is quiet. It is ominous quiet in the house, and he mm-hmm. goes upstairs, and Ruth's in bed, and he can't find Wendell. And he comes downstairs, and the kid is in the kitchen. And he asks, what are you doing here? And then, where is my son? And, and the kid's like... Where's everybody? No, no, Ruth's up in bed. Right. He knows where Ruth is. Well, yes, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something like, no, no, I think we should wait. I don't want to jump the gun. Uh, and the kid says, I don't know where Wendell is. At, and then at that point, Wendell conveniently walks through the door. And the kid goes out the back door. And Wendell's like, oh, he's still here. And Henry's like, you need to go up to your room. And you need to lock the door. And you need to not come the fuck out. And and then he follows the kid. And, and Wendell, after some time, goes upstairs and goes into the room. Don't know if he locks the door. It's unclear. Mm-hmm. But he's got his phone. 
and he watches the kid and Henry go into the the shed where the kid shows Henry Alan's body. And he's like, what did you do? She's like, I don't do anything, <laughs> actually. And Wendell dials, goddamn. And Wendell dials the phone, you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendell's dial, dialing the phone. And the kid says she was afraid and confused, and I cleaned it up. We have to take her, Take we can take the body into the forest. And Henry's like, what are you fucking talking yeah, about? Yeah. And he's like, we need to save her. And then he says, oh, do you hear it now? And then he says, good, it's about time. And he says, I have been waiting for you for 27 years. I rescued you from the basement and I didn't ask for any of this. And then he bounces because the police are coming. Uh, He's had enough of the place. <laughs> then we're back. Yeah, exactly. We're back at the B&B. Where the family that uh, saws up a body together stays together. <laughs> so, the Lilith and Gordon have decided that their next course of action is to hide their crimes. <laughs> and I, this is the only problem I have with that story. I'm not sure where Lilith makes the jump where she's suddenly participating, as opposed to shrieking and running away. Maybe she thinks that this is how she faces her marriage. <laughs> You forgive I, me for fucking around on you. I saw up a couple of bodies right. on well, your behalf. And I think she's doing the mopping and he's doing is. the butchery. He is doing the butchery that we see. And I love the fact that we don't need to see the side up bodies. It's suggested in the size of the strange, yes. the irregular size of the packages he's taking to his car. Yeah, he's he's filling his vehicle with uh And they could conceivably get away with this because this is a couple trying to hide somewhere. Yes, right. Yeah. Nobody knows where they went. Right, exactly. They didn't they didn't tell anybody that they were going to this B and B and this. We're gonna have some adultery and uh you stay. But here's a pro tip for everybody. If you are in fact going to have some adultery, tell a friend where you're going. You don't have to tell them who you're going with necessarily, unless you think they're the ones that are going to kill you, in which case don't go. Right. But yeah, tell a sister that you're going to stay at this B&B for a couple of days. Like, tell someone. Right. You know that story 127 hours? If he had just told somebody where he was going, it would have been fewer hours. Oh, God. <laughs> I, that story drives me crazy. That's what I'm saying. Tell somebody where you're going. All right. Because you're not exempt from the whims of the world, which will smush you. Fate Fate will find you and cut you into pieces. So. Eugene Levy. Who are you going to call? It's not Eugene Levy. It it looks like him. It doesn't, actually. He's he's a type, but I've watched a lot of Eugene Levy in the last year, and he doesn't look that much like him. He's too tall. Um. And then Jackie shows up. Mm-hmm. Very inopportune time when you're carving up bodies in, in broad-ass daylight for Jackie to show up. And she brings her card. Uh, she's Sweet Chariot Taxi, which is, I think, the only taxi service. She's Uber before Uber, right. kind of. She's the only taxi. It's her car. It's just her car. There's a logo on it. Uh, and she's like, well, 
you know, I can tell my fares about you and maybe you can tell your fares about me and we can have a mutually beneficial business relationship, which is a really good idea, right? And she's like, you know, I'm kicking myself because five years ago I had this idea and I just didn't do it. So she corrects his uh, use of the axe. And then she goes, oh, this is Johnny Uh so-and-so, 1937, relatively obscure, uh, but this is the wrong kind of axe. Uh His brother who killed him was a fireman. This right. is not so, a fire axe. Uh, that's Chekhov's axe, guys. That axe is coming back. <laughs> uh, on the way out, she's the... On the way out... First, they act very much like, what are you doing here? Why are you uh-huh. here? And it's like, you're running a business out of your home, so well, you, people you, are going to walk in your front door. Breakfast, so you have to assume that people are going to want to come by. Come by. And you're running an attraction, bed and breakfast, so it's yeah. even more unusual that yeah. you don't want people to come by. Yeah, and so they're a little weird, and she knows they're a little weird, and she sees these uh, garbage bags inside of their truck, mm-hmm. and she picks up a bracelet that's like made out of a fork. I was wondering if it was a bracelet or something for the hair I could make. No, it, it was a bracelet. I've uh-huh. seen those before, um, and you see spoons or forks made right. into these bracelets. Okay. Um, it's made out of a fork, and it's got red stuff on it, and she, and she tastes the red on there and it's, it's blood. It's what blood. on earth would compel you to taste the sticky red that you She wanted to see if it was blood. It. I would smell it. Smells yeah. like iron. Although it's a metal thing. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't lick things that I find well, on the ground. Th- but I think it also fits into her <laughs> you don't lick things you find on the ground. That's good. Good advice for our listeners. Don't lick things you find on the ground. Especially in the woods. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? This could be leftover from some animal. Um. Yeah, I like her story arc, by the way, in this particular... Yes. Her, her story arc comes full circle in this particular episode. Yeah, and I think this might be a wrap on her... It, it should be, but it's not... I mean, I think she, we might see her a little uh, bit in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to Henry's, and um, Henry and Wendell are talking, and the, the police are there. Yes, the police. Um... Wendell slept at the church because he didn't know where to go. He slept on a pew at, at, at mm. Grandpa's old church. He's like, it's fucked up. Right. And Wendell's, or, and uh, Henry's like, I, I should have been here. I shouldn't have left you alone. I'm really sorry. Wendell's like, where were you? And he's like, uh, I had things to do. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess you don't want to say I got taken captive. Right. Like, you don't want, like, the kid's already dealing with enough. And... Then um, we see that Ruth is still confused. She thinks she killed Matthew, and she knows that they're going to take her in, but he, she tells Henry to go find Alan, that Alan knows the cops, and they'll yeah. listen to her. It's really fucking sad. <laughs> like, it's really sad. She's giving a great performance. Uh, Sissy Spacek is giving a great performance in these scenes because she has a great ability to be sort of sad and fragile at the same time very strong, the, the decisions that she makes going forward, she's not so frail that she doesn't think to take and load the gun. No. Well, she she's doing everything now that she couldn't do to to protect her family when she yeah. was younger. Uh, and then we get a very upsetting ACAB scene between Henry and the police officer outside. Mm-hmm. Who's played by a woman who always plays police officer. She, officer. She is also in like CSI and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, 
First of all, we hear the suspect over the radio is the kid. Mm-hmm. There, that is the suspect in this. Um, but she she goes. Then the kids used to call you bla- the Black Death, the Black Death, and now you're back here. And there were you were at the at Shawshank when that went down, and now Alan's in your like you know Pangborn's in your shed. Like mm-hmm. you're you're another epicenter of that. But I'm like. You just called this man the black, and she's. He says, "What's your badge number?" And then what does she do? Uh, does I think she flip she, him off, or but does I she give think him? she gives him the badge number. Um, but yeah, it's her whole attitude is that he is the like all death radiates from him. It actually radiates from the kid, but she's really sort of pinning it on him and pinning it's like well we don't know if it radiates putting, from the kid it could radiate from Henry it, but it's putting all of the childhood prejudice against him yeah it's gross into one box including <laughs> and, the racial and prejudice and literally like she wanted to call him an n-word to his face right. and that's as close as she could get it was I was like <gasps> yeah get her badge number cause what the fuck um Henry goes and puts Wendell back on the bus. The boss and is mm-hmm. really apologetic. Says, "As soon as I, as soon as this is wrapped up, I'm going to come down to Boston for a little bit." Um, they hug, and then uh, Henry picks up his phone because Molly left a message. Mm-hmm. And then we see Wendell on the bus, and a and another bird kamikazes into the front of the bus. And at that point, Wendell starts hearing these really high-pitched sounds. Mm, not good. Nope. Not good. Well, that makes sense. It would mess up the uh, the system, the flight navigation. Of, uh, yeah, maybe. The birds. And then we see yes, just Henry. Just what they deserve, though. Yeah. Then we see, shut up. Then we see Henry talking to Molly. And, the, and she's like, I've never felt anything like him. And Henry's like, he's not, he's not doing the damage he like pushes the pushes people uh-huh. to do the damage that's being done uh and he says he waited for me for 27 years and said did you ever get into the Lacey's basement mm-hmm. and and molly says no uh, his widow said that she didn't she couldn't find the key and so henry goes <laughs> To the B and B, and basically breaks in. Yeah, I mean, I guess their door is open. He he knocks. They're not very and good. And he goes these two. in, yeah, and it is a business. Murder. So it's not thing. really trespassing. Yeah, but you shouldn't be there anyway. He goes in and he sees one of the rooms is just a wall. A wall. The all the walls are covered with these paintings with of the kid. Art. Yeah, and. He looks at the dates. He pulls down the paintings and he looks at the dates mm. and they go all the way back to 1991. Yeah. And the oldest one ha- is a picture of the kid wearing the same T-shirt that Henry is wearing in his missing child yeah. poster. So it's evidence that this kid is much... It, it only validates the kind of unnatural things happening there. Yeah, and then we see Molly at her house, and she's drinking tea and trying to understand everything. Mm-hmm. She's getting flashes of things from all over the place. Right. And then she pops all of the pills and then decides that getting behind the wheel of the car is a is, good idea. Uh, yes. Y'all, don't pop no, pills and don't then drive. Pop pills. pop pills in the comfort of your own home. 
Um, she calls Henry and she's like, I'm coming over because I can't be alone. Mm -hmm. But then Henry is at the B&B and they find him because he's just in the room Mm -hmm. and he apologizes. He's like, I knocked and I'm so sorry. I'll leave. And uh, then Lilith comes up and stabs him badly. Well, she stabs him. He backs almost, he almost backs into her. Yes. While Gordon is speaking to you, to Henry, directly face to face, he backs up into Lilith, attempting to stab him in the back. She's yes. really bad at this. She's bad at it. And then and the, they tussle, and then she right. stabs herself in the neck. Right, and it really very. She like that's that's why stabbing is right. dangerous because you put a lot of force into a swing right. and you miss. That swing goes around and I, hits you. I have to say that I enjoyed that as being the kind of stupid accident that happens in real life when yeah. people try to do things like yeah. this. There's so many stories. That's why you're way more likely. Fingers, you, know, just, you get shot with your own yeah. gun. More often than not, you're shot with your own damn gun. Yeah, it, it's, it's the same kind of thing. I thought that was very kind of realistic. And the fact that it's in no way cinematic or action hero-y, he winds up, Henry winds up running down to his car with uh, Gordon chasing after him, trying to get in through his car window while Henry is attempting to drive away. And meanwhile... But no, he's already... He's Lilith outside. is upstairs trying she's, to... She's bleeding out. ...understand exactly how she managed how to she kill herself. To stab herself in the neck. <laughs> but no, Henry's on the ground and Gordon's on top well, of I know, him. But at one point, in, he's trying to get away in the car. And oh, then he okay. gets dragged out. And then oh, he gets lo- dragged out. The ground. And then he's on the ground, he's almost killed, and then... Who comes to the rescue? Chekhov's axe. Uh, Jackie is there and buries the axe that was previously in the head of a mannequin in and the head of a Gordon. <laughs> this is why I really enjoy her story arc in this particular episode. Because now she's become one of those murder stories that she so much wanted to be a part of. She has. And I don't all, think she likes it as much no, as she does. all this she has, she's now, you know. Sitting, uh, well, trying, not uh, yet. Well, first, yeah. first we get fucking Molly, almost dying, mm-hmm. just driving almost just so erratically. Mm-hmm. She can't see straight because she's high as fuck and mm-hmm. should not be driving. And she, yeah. And then we go back, and it's the crime mm-hmm. scene. It's the fucking more cops. Fucking Henry had another crime scene. Mm-hmm. Like the third today, only two of them that the police know about. Right. Oh, and we see Wendell getting off the bus at night in mm-hmm. what appears to also be Castle Rock. So right. I don't know if he just stayed on the bus for the round trip or what. I it's wasn't very clear on that either. Unclear. Uh-huh. So we don't quite know where Wendell is, but it's not Boston, uh-huh. and it is later. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, the police are at the bed and breakfast. Jackie's answering a bunch of questions like they just seemed weird and yeah, I w- I came back because I was snooping. Yes, I was snooping, but also they were definitely trying to kill him. <laughs> like, what I, I did, that scene, I really that was my favorite because it talks about the difference between what you know a violence um, tourist and somebody who's actually had to play part in it. She is not at all happy with what she had to do. Yeah. And what I thought was even funnier is that there are references to The Shining throughout this episode. Yeah. One of which is the composition of Gordon's face as mm-hmm. he's staring into what we're taking to be the the, the painting. landscape painting, yeah. And the two uh, light fixtures and the crazy wallpaper, yeah. and it looks very much like the Overlook. 
to the fact that then the episode ends with Jackie Torrance referencing again Kubrick Shining, yeah. bearing an axe in somebody's yeah. head. Yeah. It yes, was not very Stephen King funny. Shining, but yeah, right. Kubrick Shining. It was very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. That was a really nice touch. And then, I don't know... Henry just leaves the crime scene, but I'm not clear why. He drives away. He gets mm-hmm. in his car and he drives away, and they say the suspect is leaving right. the scene. And I'm like, why is he why? the suspect? He's almost got killed. He's been stabbed. Yet he's he's a black man. Yep. And uh, this is Maine. And then we see Molly. She's pulled over. We don't quite see where she is, but it turns out she's at her parents' house. Mm-hmm. She opens the door, and the kid is sitting on the steps. And she's like, where's Henry? And he goes, I don't think he's ready yet. And I'm like, that's a not a not an answer to her question. What you're looking for. And... She says, or he says, but you can help me because you know me and I know you. And she's like, I don't know that. Um, And then, oh, I know why. And then Henry gets a call still at the crime scene Mm -hmm. that from the pastor of the church saying, Ruth's here looking for Alan. She's disoriented. I don't think she knows what's going on. And then Henry is like, okay, I got to go deal with, I got to go find my mom. Um, and that's when he leaves. And then the kid and Molly are how we end the episode. And he leaves Molly upstairs and says, you know, your bed was here and you used to paint your nails with white out and your desk was over there and you'd use a flashlight to look out the window. Um, and we look out the window and it looks like snow is falling. I couldn't tell if it was snow or ash from the fires. Um, but I think it's snow. Okay. Uh, and then... She says, well, how do you know all of this? And he says, I know because I was there. And then they look out into the woods, and she, and he says, that's where you die. Mm. And that's how the end of that episode. Right. Two Good more job. episodes to go. Yes. How do you feel it's going so far? Oh, I'm really enjoying this. And you have a lot this. more memory of it than I do. I... There is a specific thing mm. that I know that we are about to find out in the next episode. Okay. That I want to talk about. Okay. That I cannot talk okay, about. Talk about because you'll spoil it. Because it is a spoiler. I see. Yes, and yes. it's like killing me a little bit. <laughs> we'll survive. Uh, but I really enjoy. I, I'm really enjoying the pacing. Mm-hmm. I got to say, of this series. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times in these, ten, especially ten episodes, mm-hmm. six through eight get a little rocky. Right. And nothing much happens. It's like it's. I felt that way a little bit with um, the episodes in Mr. Mercedes. Yeah, almost everything that we've watched, there's been a couple of episodes where I was like, something's happened. Right, up until, um, what's the character's name in Mr. Mercedes, the autistic girl? Oh, um, Holly. Holly. Holly, Molly, there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Up until Molly shows up and... Holly. Excuse me. Up until... (laughs) Holly shows up and rescues the end of Mr. Mercedes. I was beginning to go, I, I'm, I'm just, we're spending so much time with this murderer and his incestuous relationship with his mother, and I'm just not that interested or excited about having to see more of this guy. Uh, there are, like you're saying, these dips. It's like you're stretching between two points and there's a sort of a sag in the middle that they can't yeah. account for. Yeah. And this story seems to have enough material to fit everything that's going on. And um, 
And yeah, these characters are coming to really satisfying conclusions. I'm not looking forward to seeing Molly die in the woods. Right. Uh, but, and she's <laughs> not either, actually. Between the two of us, we probably are both not equally unhappy. But um, but yeah, I, I feel bad to know that I now know what's going to happen to her. It also makes me wonder about the kid and if he's unstuck in time as well. That could well, it seems like since he's been the same age as t- for 27 years. Right. But that's a that's a problem. Yeah. That's that, you're not experiencing time the way I am, <laughs> at the very least. That's yes. what I can say. He's kind of like Peter Pan. So, um, yeah, no, there's some things I want to say, but they are mm-hmm. pertinent yep. to a thing yep. that we're going to talk about next I week. I'm like, mm, can't talk about that. <laughs> can't talk about that. So, but so far, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this yeah. rewatch. Uh, even knowing what I know, I don't, I, I'm like excited to get to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not like, just tell us, (laughs) like, um, I'm, and I'm curious to see if it resolves as, I feel like the first time we watched it through, I thought it resolved messily and didn't work. And I'm hopeful that that won't be the case because now I'm kind of looking at it with, more information from I, the well, beginning. I also feel like we, when we saw it, it was um, it was one episode a week. Yes, we were so watching it every week. Yeah. That was kind of an issue too. Is that I'm losing track of what happened last week, and I'm, I guess I'm spoiled. One of the things that yeah. has really improved modern television is the fact that I don't have to wait until next week to see it. Although some things, and I think. I think some things lend themselves to mm-hmm. binging, right. and some things don't. Like, when we got to the end of The Queen, I was like, I need a break. Yeah. I don't want to watch another episode. First of all, I'm taking very many notes. Very So I just notes. need... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been three pages every single week, or every single episode. Three full page, pages of notes. So I just need a break from that. Right. Um, but also, like emotionally, I needed to take a minute. And there are certain things, like, I couldn't watch a bunch of The Handmaid's Tale all at once. I was just like, yeah, I, I can't so. with this. But then, like, could I watch every episode of Schitt's Creek back-to-back? Yes, I can. Like, there are certain things. Well, just recently, I had a friend who got me to watch Poldark. Oh, yeah. The, the modern uh, version of it. I know that people like that he takes off his shirt. <sighs> That's sure. my understanding of understand. Poldark. I remember seeing the adaptation that was done in the 70s on Masterpiece Theater. And the reason why I was watching it as a kid, being that, you know, who else was watching Masterpiece Theater when there was six or seven, um, is that one of the actors, or a couple of the actors, had actually been in old Hammer films I'd watched. And they were in period costume, and I saw these actors, and I thought I was watching a horror film. And it went on that way for two or three episodes before I realized I'm watching a, a dramatic, you know, historical novel. And I'm like, oh, okay, no one's going to turn into a vampire. But um, watching the new one, I, uh, that's something where I can have, I can watch an episode or a couple of episodes back to back and really be glad I don't have to wait a week to find out what happens with this. Right. Because that used to be the the point with uh, the old serials. As a matter of fact, that was one of um, that was one of the jokes in uh, Misery. Annie Wilkes complains about how watching serials they would intentionally fudge the details so that next week you wouldn't quite remember how it happened and there would be some sort of window of escape. 
between last week and this week. And I, I remember with Castle Rock, it's, I would forget all the details, and it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're reaching this thing fresh. So I'm kind of glad for it now. I'm kind of glad to be watching it pretty much back-to-back and having a really good sense of what the characters are doing and where they're going. So, mm-hmm. next week... Right. It's the last episode. The very last episode. Episodes nine and ten. I don't have the I don't have the names in front of me. The names are Yeah. Henry Deaver. That's right. Deaver, Henry Deaver. That's and right. Romans. Romans. And I'm like not sure from exactly. the Bible. Well, there's the book of Romans in the Bible. And there is you when you said it uh Saul de Paul. Yes. That's a reflection of of uh the actual the, the author of the book of Romans. Um, and his conversion on the road to Damascus. Yes, yeah, so that was, um, Matthew was saying that that is what happened to him in the woods, mm-hmm. is a similar thing that happened to Paul when he 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 converted from Saul to Paul. Similarly, Matthew went into the woods with a gun, heard a noise, and was converted to, I don't know, Matthew too. He didn't say, he didn't take a new name. But he did definitely compare himself to that, which, once again, when you compare yourself to a famous thing in history that's very narcissistic well, yes. and probably not accurate. Do you, uh, Kanye, we're talking to you. Mm, You're not well, doing this has, Kubrick. He has mental illness, so I'm thinking mental illness probably. Yeah, there we are. Other than the last two episodes of the show. Do you have anything you I want to really recommend? I really haven't had the time, unfortunately. I, I really haven't been able to explore much of anything because it's, you know, between work and, and recording and writing episodes of television programs, of uh, podcasts, rather. Um, what about you? Kind of same. I don't think I've watched anything. Yeah, it's been, hopefully... Oh, y'all, uh-huh. if you are uh-huh. a Star Trek person... Oh. Watch Discovery, yeah. if you can, if you have access to CBS All Access, which I understand it's another thing you have to pay money for every month to get. But we've been watching Star Trek Discovery. I We're really almost caught it. up. Yeah. I'm really, really liking it. Really liking it. Sonequa Martin-Green is very, very good. Very expressive eyes. And Michelle Yeoh. Ugh, the best. Who <laughs> is amazing. The best. What was it you said the other day? No scenery is safe with her. No scenery is safe. Well, in this role particularly, she's she gets, uh, yeah. doing a lot. She does, in a lot of the Hong Kong films that I grew up watching her in, she plays these kind of virtuous heroines, uh, including Crouching Tiger. This is a woman who waits forever for this man to admit that he loves her. And so in in um in some of her previous historic uh, wuxia and her historical period pieces, she's playing that kind of character who's long-suffering and noble. And this is the exact opposite. The opposite. She's there's no. She doesn't keep she's anything inside. Right. She's she's just out and yeah, doing it all. She's wonderful. So yeah, yeah. She's the villain that the Marvel universe needs. Yeah, you know, yeah. frankly. Uh, we haven't started watching WandaVision. No. We haven't started watching many of the other things. We, I want to watch Lupin. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was only familiar with from the books, from the pulp novels way back in the day. There's a couple of, there's that heist movie on uh-huh. HBO Max I want to watch, but we haven't done any yeah. of those things. No, no. We've been watching we've been The Final it. Table and Star Trek. <laughs> I will, actually, I will say there's something I have gotten into uh, recently. Give me just a second to call it up. Okay. Um, and this... Is something I'm late to. 
Well, that's sort of the whole theme, yes, right? Yes, that's the thing. That's what we do. Um, so I'm listening to a podcast uh, interviewing writers for dark fantasy and horror. Okay. Because I write horror. What's the I, name of the podcast? Uh, the podcast, I was hoping you wouldn't... <laughs> just a do second. it, do it. The table read, I think it's the... No, is that what it's called? The writer's table or... Oh, maybe that's a that's a thing. No, it's called the Table Read. It's by a writer Table. named T.J. Lee. Their very first interview. I'm catching up from. I'm old fashioned. I start from the very first episode to the most recent. Well, there's only eighteen of them, so that's easy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the horror podcasts I'm listening to. There's like seventy episodes. I'm like, I'm never gonna catch up. But uh, there's an author that goes by Neon Tempo, and he wrote something called the Left Right Game. Oh yeah, I want to. I want to read. I want to know about the left right game because you were telling me about right. this. And so it was. Uh, it was discovered by Tessa Thompson, who then went on to create a podcast based on it. And listen to the podcast before I go back and listen to the table read because I don't want to hear his process about stuff and possibly get spoilers about the Yeah, material. there's a few episodes. Like, I listened to the Blank Check Tenet uh-huh. episode, and I haven't seen Tenet, and I don't actually feel like I got spoiled because I don't know that they know what was happening. Right. So, <laughs> so I still feel like well, I can listen to that. There are plot points that I don't... And it's interesting enough to where I don't want to have it spoiled for me and go, oh, oh, God, I'm waiting for that horrible thing to happen or that character to die. It's always disappointing. So, um... Yeah, I'm listening to the podcast, Tessa Thompson. It's now been purchased by Amazon to turn into a um, a limited run series. And it actually is really interesting. You can find the the episodes of the left-right game on YouTube as well. You can. You can also just download it on your um, podcatcher or it's at qcodemedia.com. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying it so far. It's, it's short. It's only... Um, right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes. Ten episodes that premiered last year, it looks like. Yeah. So it's, I'm actually catching up with something relatively recent, so you should be proud of me. Uh, it's uh, the, the story itself reminds me a lot of Robert Aikman, his kind of creepy stories that generally don't have a an actual explanation, but they're very disturbing and odd. I'm only two or three episodes in, so I am um, I'm not sure exactly where the story is going, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna download and probably binge this whole thing maybe well, you can today. Do on your trip though, too. Oh, that's a good oh, however, idea. However, I have to <laughs> warn people: every episode comes with a warning, and this is not going to spoil it, but I, it's a warning. Um, so be careful if you're listening to it in your car. Is there sirens and things? There's a car crash that starts the episode, that starts the story. That starts the story, okay. Okay, and so there's a warning. Um, Maybe I'll imagine... start it and see if I no. want to continue, because, I'm yeah, I'm, go- I'm going, we're, we're recording, uh, this one isn't early, but the next one will be early, because I'm going out of town next weekend, and I will have a four-hour car ride in either so direction. The story takes place uh, so far mostly in a moving car. Oh, interesting. And so there's traffic sounds and things in the background. And it's Tessa Thompson stars in it as well. Yes. Yes, I like her and voice. And she's even in the art. And yes, she's she also is. going to be in the um, in the TV or the television. I have to stop thinking. 
it's really hard for me. Here's my call personal it confession. television, even though it's not as a 51 year old man. Yeah, who's now increasingly becoming extinct, um, or not extinct enough. I mean, there's some 51 year old men that need to go, but it's very difficult for me to adapt to how fast technology changes. Yes. I think I made it. I still say right. record and like right. VCR and shit I, I made the, we don't the even have. I remember earlier on when I was taking phone classes. I took a break because I had to take care of my dad who got very sick around that time. And when I came back, everything was on VHS. And so all the film editing skills I was learning from my film editing classes did not translate to VHS except in a theoretical way. And then when I tried to research coming back again, it was digital, so it wasn't even the same media. And I'm working out of a laptop, and I'm going, I, I don't, I, I'm afraid that if I try to go back to it now, there's going to be something else I've referred oh, to. Oh, yeah, I can do it on my computer right now. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I keep referring to stuff as footage, which is a term that doesn't make any sense to people like this. Because we no longer produce feats of film. Feet of, feats. Right. <laughs> feats of film. Um, I never thought of it. I didn't. I don't think uh, I ever realized that that was a distance measurement until right now. Right, it's footage, footage. Because again, if you're sitting at a movieola with no, I understand. Fifty feet of film that you have to edit, it's like it's a nightmare. I understand, but footage has lost its right exactly its distance measurement, Mm -hmm. and now it's just the raw data. Right, right. But I never thought of that as being and, having have meaning and, feet right. of and then a film. I keep thinking that video was a t-